But I hate when I feel like this And I never hated you Neurotica is a weekly podcast going to the deepest, darkest parts of the mind and bringing them to light. Topics range on mental illness, behavior, and perception and more. Please be warned, many episodes contain trigger warnings. If you ever have thoughts of suicide, please call the suicide hotline at 1-800-273-8255. Hey everybody, welcome to Neurotica. Sorry for the delay this week. Uh, Obviously, if you listen to last week's episode, you know the holidays get a little bit crazy, so we had to do a little bit of rescheduling. Also, I was a little sick for a while, so that kind of threw us off completely. So just kind of a perfect storm of, uh, you know, non-podcast conducive items. Um, So we're returning a little bit later in the week, but this is probably going to be our last episode of 2019. And to kick it off, I want to... Introduce my co-host, as always, uh, Booby Styles. How are you doing, Booby? Uh, I'm doing okay. Pretty stressed out by the holidays, like we talked about in the last episode that came out. <laughs> so still just stressed out. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, money, it just goes away around this time. It, like, melts. You watch it melt like the Wicked Witch of the West. Which That's just some... so specific. Well, it's because it's green, too. That's true. So. You nailed it. I did nail it. So, Good yeah. job. <laughs> so, um, so that's stressful, but um, you know, things are going as as well as they could be going in general. So, feeling pretty good. Yeah. So we talked about the holidays, but obviously, you know, it's also getting the time at the end of the year. But this year in particular is a particularly special year because it's also the end of a decade. So, you know, lately a lot of people have been doing their lists of, uh, you know, like top. 10 favorite songs of decades or top 10 favorite albums artists you know everything like that but um we talked about this a little bit um when the pitchfork list came out yeah and we even talked about you know we're gonna do something similar to that at the end of the year we'll make fun of pitchfork a little bit but then we'll do some like real stuff but i came up with this different idea that i i thought was kind of interesting is that you know we could you know give a you us like if you gave us the opportunity to write like a list like that we could easily pump out a list of our favorite artists and then write you know why we thought they were great and all but what i really wanted to talk about was the artists that really changed us and like it it didn't even matter necessarily to me if the artist was um like someone i really listen to now or somebody that like i would particularly even say i'm like a fan of like now like I, I could easily say, you know, in my high school years, I was a big fan of Pearl Jam, and they changed my life, but I don't listen to Pearl Jam now. Like, I don't want to listen to any Pearl Jam songs generally, but right. if I could go to a Pearl Jam concert, that'd be cool, because that was something that changed my life. So I was thinking, let's talk about the last decade. Let's talk about how we grew through music, and I think it was a big decade for me, just like how music started becoming a big part of my life, and I think for you as well. So I thought it was a good yeah. episode to go with. Well... First, to uh, just to touch on the Pitchfork episode again, um, th- this was a couple months ago, so the their list was a little bit premature um, in our view. But our beef with it was more the way that these lists are often presented as like some some. Yeah, it's like we pulled the best that we could, yeah, and that's what it's gonna be. This so this like... is the best album, especially if it's Pitchfork, which has its reputation of being uh, a little high and mighty. And judgmental and things like that. Um, and our, so our issue was that 
it's presented as an objective thing and also obviously like the clickbait um part of it but like i i do love this time of year and this time of decade i guess because you get to see like individuals like what they liked that year and it reminds you of what you should go back and check out or what what you meant to listen to but never got around to and you you see what was important to uh, to your friends or your family or whatever like yeah within I, that year which is more interesting than uh an ostensibly objective list and, and so and on top of that me i over the course of this decade i went from 18 to 28 and cody went from 16 to 26 that's a very very maybe the most transformative decade of a person's life yeah like it was i mean there were so many things that transformed for me specifically obviously things that we've talked about on the show but i mean just like bobby said that's not even just because i'm the one who's got the mental health that's for bobby that's him going from a teenager to a man that's still a big change not even a young man just like a legit man (laughs) yeah like (laughs) We're both becoming like what we're going to be for the rest of our lives, pretty much. And we're, <laughs> could have moved up a financial class. Yeah, like we're maybe, like maybe starting a couple. Like, yeah, we like started like the dumbest versions of ourselves, pretty much. Like we're two years apart, but sixteen to eighteen, you don't learn too much there. There's not a lot of great knowledge that's passed along to your yourself year to year. No, just maybe, the dumbest. Maybe start version. maybe start drinking and like yeah. learn a little bit how to treat. How to trick women as objects into sleeping with you. Yeah, like, <laughs> take off a bra in under 30 minutes. Like, it's... It, you just learn, like, very little stupid life things. But for the most part, 16 to 18, you're pretty much the same, I would say. So, 26 to 28, I think there's still, you know, similarities there. I had my 28 yet, so I won't know if I'll have big changes. But I think we're still both kind of settling at that point in our lives, though, where it's just, like, the changes are just the same kind of changes that would happen to us you know regardless of age it's just adulthood you know so yeah we're talking seriously a huge leap for both of us regardless of you know if if bobby's our healthy one and i'm our crazed one you know like i'm not crazed anymore so yeah we'll talk to you again you know next episode (laughs) see where you're at yeah yeah we'll see no but so we really wanted to talk about the artists first that um really changed us through the decades i did mine a little bit more um kind of grouped into like periods of time that i can really like vividly connect to so mine will probably be more story driven as usual bobby i don't know how you set up your list but um i think it's gonna be very much um us talking not just what the artist means to us but also talking about songs that weren't necessarily hits that really hit us so like you know, sometimes people call them deep cuts, but like they really are deep cuts for us because they hit us some way that we thought enough that we thought the whole world should have loved this song and it just wasn't that big of a hit. So I really want to start, um, if you don't mind, Bobby. Because... No, I was going to ask you to. Okay, so I really want to... Cody actually has like notes written down for this one. Right? Okay. For me, it's a free-flowing conversation that occasionally touches on mature subjects. Wow, that's crazy considering that is literally usually the opposite of how the podcast goes. <laughs> um, it's usually Bobby comes highly prepared and I go, I'll figure it out. Um, anyway, and then I don't. And then I say like something I regret or something. Anyway, but I, I wanted to talk about just specifically like I remember 
I went back. I was like, well, where was I in 2010? Like, literally. And I remember specifically the winter of um, 2010 into 2011. And it was when I finally got this girl who was like I had a crush on. She asked me to the Sadie Hawkins dance. Like, she wanted to see me. And then Sadie Hawkins dance is a real thing. We did it as a thing, like, at our school, like, we wanted to have another dance, and we are like, well, what should we do? And we are like, well, let's do a Sadie Hawkins just the, for the sake of doing a Sadie Hawkins. Like, I always I always thought that the taking care of an egg in health class, that never the Sadie Hawkins us. dance, and the, like, uh, career aptitude testing, I was, th- those were always in, like, shows about middle school and stuff, I just... Assume that those were public school things. We might have maybe did the aptitude somewhat, but I don't think it was like fully career. Like you have to do this. It was more like young, like, Oh, this might be what you instinctually just enjoy. Um, but no, we legit did a Sadie Hawkins, but it was very much like not a yearly thing. It was a, let's do a Sadie Hawkins dance. Cause nobody's done those in forever. Okay. So it wasn't like a yearly thing, but the, the girl asked me, we started dating and you know, I had my first kiss and then a month later, my first sexual encounter. And that's, wild. that's a very, very strong ramp up. That's and very fast. And then also I moved on like a month or two later to another very intense relationship. Cause you're young and dumb and everything's intense. Yeah. And we talked about that with, uh, Sophia a little bit yeah and like you know that kind of really captures you know just kind of that feeling of love you know you just kind of get all wrapped up into it and there was a lot of songs on the radio at the time and these were bands that I would have never come across but at the time I was listening to a lot and they were up and coming at the time it was 104.5 which is not a station I listen to a lot anymore even when I do go near a radio because I feel like they've become a little bit more poppy with like the Twenty One Pilots ish, they were always big on Twenty One Pilots. They're, yeah, I don't they know They used to be why. really good at breaking bands. They broke uh, of Monsters and Men in yeah. America. They're the first version of Little Talks by Monsters and Men that I had on my iPod. Oh, ended yeah. up ended up being like the the so Swedish session, like the Swedish too. single version. Oh, the Swedish like single version, but they did like it studio session. Whatever it was, wasn't the album version, and they started playing that before anyone else in America. Yeah, so that's so. even one I forgot. I didn't forget it completely for the list because I thought about doing it for the list, but I forgot that Radio One Hundred Four Five kind of introduced me to them because they were specifically the ones that introduced it to everybody. I didn't put them on the list because really it was that first album meant a lot to me and the song yellow light we've talked about as friends before that song did mean a lot to me but there was a couple that not only did the, some of these songs mean to me the artists went on to mean a lot to me so first i remember the song crystal castles not in love and they didn't stick with me but i remember that being like a very like vivid song for the memory it was that you know like it was uh robert smith was singing for Crystal Castles. That's what made the song so good. It was like Robert Smith played, like, like lent his voice for one song for, to Crystal Castles called Non Love. It was very good. And I just decided this second that I'm going to make a playlist of the songs that we talk about. Oh, okay. So that'll be that'll be fun. Maybe we'll put that out as a part of the po- like yeah, podcast we'll... Twitter, even though we claim that all the time and never follow through. But <laughs> we'll... maybe we'll actually share this and you guys can listen to all these songs that I will be talking about. Um, and Bobby will obviously be talking about, so, so far we talked about, uh, Yellow Light and talked about, um, just the Monsters and Men in general and Crystal Castle's Not in Love. Okay. So. Yeah. Keep going. Okay. So then 
but the big thing was the the artist that really kicked in for me. And even though this artist was around for a while, I never got them or heard them at all. Um, and then, of course, this was their mainstream breakthrough. It was Arcade Fire. It, the Suburbs came out. So that was big for me. But the thing was, I didn't love The Suburbs when it came out. Like, I didn't love that entire album. I loved two songs. It was the two songs that Radio 1045 kept playing. It was Ready to Start and We Used to Wait. And Ready to Start and We Used to Wait really captured, you know, for me, like, a feeling of the winter of that rush of my first love and then first heartbreak and then second love right away. And, like, it was just a rush of, like, all these emotions of that song that was, like, not in love, like, right after the heartbreak. So that song stuck with me, but Arcade Fire was, like, you know, we used to wait and it was, like, talk, you know, it really talked to me, even though I was missing all the time of the song but it like we used to wait it was talking to me kind of like i used to wait for this girl and because i had a huge crush for her like you know wait you know to see if i could see her around the corner you know real creepy shit guys did in high school um you know but it was just like i used to wait and just hope that one day she would like me and it was you know what people would say friend zone now but i would say i was just not her type and she kind of missed me as a friend and probably confused it for romance and then we dated and did not work out um <laughs> we're friends now it's fine but um and then the second one probably same thing uh anyway but the whole point being though that like that song hit me because you know it's like we used to wait but then also ready to start for me felt like okay i've, I've kissed someone i've had sex i'm a man i've also fallen in love with two different girls in very small periods of life but it's like Ready to start was kind of my anthem of like, I'm ready to start life now. It's not just academics and sadness and poorness. It's sex and that's cool. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, I'm ready to start. My personal story with Arcade Fire is that I mixed them up with Dragon Force because of the song (laughs) of Fire and Flames. Right. (laughs) And then they won a grammy and i was like oh that fucking band won a grammy I and then i listened to them too. and i was like oh wait that's that is not at all what i thought that band was gonna be <laughs> but i was upset and i will say why i was upset but i that's a different artist to talk about um a little bit later so i want to kind of hold that one off but i will get back to that but i want to talk about another arcade fire song that actually came out later so i did go back and love the arcade fire songs of um the decade before um, I'm not going to talk about them in depth because I want to keep this decade as much this decade, even though I, I did say to Bobby, we're going to have at least one cheat that we talk about that something that hit us in the decade that just fell outside of the decade range of just like we found it at the weird time. But for the Arcade Fire later, Reflector was not an album the first time I heard it. I liked, I hated it. I really thought it was terrible. I've still never listened to it because the first time I heard the single of Reflector, I thought it was bad. Yeah, I think the song Reflector legitimately is one of the worst things I've ever heard. So just skip that. Yeah. But there's also bad songs on that album. I'm sure. (laughs) But there's also really good songs. And then there's some really good songs that kind of go on a little long. But there's some really amazing songs on there. And one of them that I would recommend to you, which you're going to put on the playlist anyway, um, is Porno from the album Reflector. And even though that lyric or that name of that song sounds very, you know, provocative and sexual. I mean, it's Arcade Fire. Yeah. I don't think any of anyone in that band has ever had sex. Well, it's It's probably extremely artsy. It's funny you say that because the lyrics do not imply that any of them have had sex. (laughs) Um, But I does the way they look or act. (laughs) Yeah. Except 
the D. Well, Will. Will. Yeah. He, Will Fox. For sure. And when? I don't think Win Fox. You don't think Win Fox? No, I think I think he's in a sexless marriage with the girl from the band. Yeah, but I saw him DJ at Orleeb's. When? Literally, me and Tony went after the Arcade Fire show. We told the, everybody the about the Frankenstein looking dude from the NBA celebrity yeah. game. No. We watched him. He came up to us. He was just down in shots. He came up to us. He goes, "Guys, the dance party. If you want to be here, you have to dance." He doesn't fuck. Dude, he was so cool to everybody. All the girls wanted him. Maybe he doesn't fuck, but they wanted to fuck him. Yeah, that's not what I was saying at all. Okay, <laughs> anyway. But I want to just talk about the lyrics. And the lyrics, you could probably guess why Cody Ryan got early into these lyrics. Um, basically, this is how it goes. You can cry, I won't go. You can scream, I won't go. Little boys with their porno. Little boys with their porno. Makes me feel like something's wrong. If It's only the world we know. Um, so basically it was like saying, you know, I won't leave you. I'm not like the other guys. The other guys have their porn. They'll be fine. Like, I feel wrong just because I like the guy who like just wants a traditional like love and stuff like that. And in the song, actually, like when you hear it, it's much more dramatic, obviously. And it's like, you know, is something wrong with me? It's the only world we know. It's, it's saying like, basically... Now, you know, life is a little bit more sexual and porno. I don't necessarily agree with those lyrics to be that upsetting because I like porn and I don't <laughs> really mind when people are sexual. But at the same time, like... Andrew Yang wrote that one. Yeah, great. <laughs> um, which, again, and another artist <laughs> come up when we talk about Andrew Yang. Um, <laughs> oh, God. We have that. to talk about him. Cause of course you, we do. How is he going to avoid my list and then fucking I have to see that today? Like, I God mean, damn it. Honestly, he would... Now that you mentioned it, he should have been on my list, too. So He's not only on my list, he's re- going to be revealed as my top artist of the decade. So I'm already fucking pissed. <laughs> put your guesses in now. <laughs> yeah, put your guesses in now. I'm pissed off. It doesn't matter if you guess it, because you should be as upset as I am. Well, anyway. can I, since I don't really have a list, can I start with my beginning of the decade? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Go ahead. So the the artist at the beginning of the decade for me that has had the most impact on my life is the last the last new artist that my dad ever introduced me to um i had gotten arrested at school for public intoxication and i was grounded when i was home for either christmas or thanksgiving break so i was helping my dad dj a wedding in easton pennsylvania and on the drive home he was like oh this is a this is a new band that my buddy just told me about like we're gonna listen to cd on the way back and he put them in, and I was like, "This sounds like if like the Killers and like Bruce Springsteen had a baby, kind of." And it was uh, the Gaslight Anthem. So this was technically when he showed them to me, the very tail end of two thousand nine, and their but their next album came out in the beginning of two thousand ten. American Slang was the next album, um, and they were really outside of like Green Day. My introduction to punk music which i didn't at the time i wouldn't have even really associated them with punk music because i had the springsteen um association in my head because they are if you listen to any song of theirs obviously extremely influenced by bruce springsteen um but they they ended up being in the introduction to the type of music that would end up defining most of the decade for me and it was big because it was the last time that my father, who is a music lover, introduced me to 
a new group rather than the other way around. And they I, they had these all these references to Bruce Springsteen and some Van Morrison uh, feeling stuff um, on American slang. And I was just like, I could tell within like two weeks of listening to them that this was going to be a band that was really important to me. And their importance to me has kind of faded since then. Last year, uh, my brother and I went with a couple friends to see the 10th anniversary tour for the 59 Sound, which is uh, their most beloved and most important album. And it was amazing to see. I had never gotten a chance to see them before as much as I wanted to. And the the songs hit. I was listening to the album again for the first time in a while before that. And at the show, the songs hit like, God damn, you can, I totally feel why this was so important to me. But as the decade went on, I feel like I found, I would either go back to the influences that first um, endeared them to me. Or I found other bands that I felt like did a better job of what I liked that they added to the influences. You mean like kind of progressed on the sound they started yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. But they they really, in an indirect way, started me on the journey to where I am now. And that will intertwine with the most important artist uh, of the decade for me. But that that was sort of how the my decade of my like music journey. I don't want to sound like a fucking Instagram person. <laughs> the my decade of music fandom kicked off was with the last new artist that my father yeah. introduced me to. So do you have a deep cut? Do you want to add to the playlist then of a uh, Gaslight Anthem? Um, yeah. So preferably from 2010 to 2009. Uh, yeah. Well, so I'm gonna add. A song from that uh, that first album that came out in 2010, uh, American Slang, and the song is called the Diamond Street Church Choir, which is the one that I think has some of that Van Morrison uh, influence in it. And is there anything in that song that really just like kind of like speaks to you, or just because you really like that style? Not lyrically, it's just the fact that I felt like you could really see them like trying stuff, like. The 59 sound was a very straight ahead um, indie classic rock influenced like accessible punk album. Yeah. Whereas this song has hand claps and like a, the, the guitar kind of swings a little bit. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, I can like really see these guys that I'm a huge fan of growing in a way that was really obvious in a way that I kind of hadn't noticed with other bands before that I was a fan of. Yeah. So, for that, I think that's probably a good way to transition to the next kind of chunk of mine. Um, So, for me, I just kind of was talking about a little bit of kind of my high school love. Um, Let's go back into, you know, a younger era of my days and go into college heartbreak. But that's going to be the first start of it. But then also, the college awakening of rap cody oh baby let's go so let's start with just the heartbreak part get that out of the way because both of these songs will also make everybody go and bands go oh and probably don't need to talk about them that much but the first one i want to talk about is the head and the heart um especially that first album for me was really big and obviously this isn't even a deep cut but it has to be the song for me because it, it meant so much is 
lost in my mind. And I don't think anybody who knows me or this podcast would be surprised that I would like a song called Lost in My Mind, but I really suggest you listen to it because it's beautiful. I suggest you listen to both the first two albums by The Head and the Heart. Both of them are probably in my like top 10 albums of all time. They mean that much to me. They move me that much. They really like hit certain parts of my emotions that only they can hit. So I don't even really want to get too into them as a whole because it it would just take up the whole podcast. So I wanted to kind of just throw them out there, but I did kind of lose a little bit luster for them because they did kind of go a little bit louder, poppier sound that I just, it wasn't, it wasn't a thing for me. Like they sold out. It's just a thing of like, I just kind of don't mix with the style as much. The head and the heart was an interesting band at the time because, and I think we might talk a little bit about these other bands for me. But at the time, folk was becoming really mainstream, but it was a specific type of folk. It was the yeah. um, Mumford and Sons, Lumineers yeah. of Monsters and Men. And Lumineers where, almost cracked my list for a second just on one album, but just didn't feel like enough. Yeah, but but the, that type of folk was self-consciously old school. Like yeah. you would you would almost call it like steampunk core or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like they were trying to be very folk. Yeah, like, like they, I feel like they dressed up in like vests and shit. I know at least I know that Mumford and Sons did, but the other ones kind of sounded like they did as well. Whereas the Head and the Heart was it was acoustic guitars and harmonies and stuff like that. And yeah, it it, it wasn't as and when you say folk, it it really felt like it still was modern. It felt like folk like. They were just somewhere I wasn't. Yeah. You know, like... the uh, What's it called? Um, Let's Be Still? No. Who sings... Oh. Wagon Wheel. Who sings Wagon Wheel? Yeah. Everybody sings Wagon Wheel. Right. Comes on karaoke, people go fucking crazy. Everybody sings Wagon Wheel. What are you talking about? All right, we Darius can... Rucker? No, Old Chromatics, <laughs> we can cut some of that. Nope, we're not cutting any <laughs> me saying God Darius Rucker sings Wagon Wheel. Well, the sta- he does a... you're going to be more upset that you couldn't remember the who sings Wagon Wheel. I don't give a shit. <laughs> old Chromatics show. Darius sings Wagon Wheel. Darius Rucker's that. version is like the fucking dentist office version. Of the that Hootie song. version? <laughs> Um, but Old Crow Madison Show was, like was another movie. band. I think they maybe predated the other ones. That was like, all right, we're going to do banjos and mandolins and shit like that. And probably dress in bowler hats and shit like that. Yeah. And I actually like all of those bands, but that is what set the head and the heart apart to me at that time was it sounded like it was folk music made now. Yeah, and it felt kind of authentic, and it really felt like they were just singing, like, they weren't cap- stories that were, like, supposed to be, like, stories of, like, if I lived in this time period, it, was, it felt like they were singing stories of, like, this is how a life unfolded. And I don't know if those are true stories. They feel like true stories, because there are some vivid stuff about, kind of, child custody. <laughs> so, like, kind of hard to miss that. Um, but... Uh, you know, whereas, like, if I listen to Lumineers, I'm thinking, like, gangs in New York kind of shit. Like, you know, or I'm thinking, you know, the Navy and everybody's waving their fucking little hat as they watch a ship go by. Like, it's very, like, they watch a Titanic and we're like, let's write an album. Like, that's (laughs) Lumineers. Like, uh, I'll let let you keep talking because I actually do want to talk about Wagon Wheel a little bit when we get there. 
Oh, so you want to hold off on Wagon Wheel a little bit? So I think you will actually be able to talk a lot with me, though, about these next two artists that I'm going to introduce. Because um, one, I had a real falling out with, and I wanted to say couldn't define my um, decade any anyway, but I couldn't deny him. So this is one of my more embarrassing ones. And then the other one is just nail on the head, you're going to say it too. And you, it might be your person, so sorry if I steal this from under you. But uh, one, I got to say Wale. Like, Wale, even though I admit he's still kind of like, he's like a party rapper, I would say, a little bit more. Yeah, but he's, he, sorry, you go ahead. Yeah, but he, he's had moments of humility, but he, he, on his core, is supposed to be more of like a fun rapper, not so much a, like a conscious rapper, but he tries a little bit. Yeah. He um, has um, that song Flossin', I think, with uh, Rick Ross and Meek Mill and Focused with Kid Cudi from the album from uh, 2011. Those are both great songs. I still listen to those. Yeah, so I will actually bring up my song. Um, so my song that really hit me, that, like, the first one that, like... So the really the first song I ever heard from him was Lotus Flower Bomb, but that was the, the single. That's just how I heard who he was. Right. But the song that really got me was Ambition. So this might be the one you're thinking of, because yeah. Ambition is... Featuring Meek Mill and Rick Ross. And what you need to understand is at the time this came out, Meek Mill wasn't anybody. And I tweeted this as like a joke to try to piss off Eagles Twitter, but I actually believe this. Meek Mill's verse in Ambition, I think, is better than the entirety of Dreams and Nightmares, the song. Ambition, yeah, and I, I said it was flossing, but it is Ambition. That is a great song. Yeah, and it's it's Meek Mill singing literally about being on the streets and like how he had to sell like weed to stay in the streets and like seeing people killed in like North Philly. And then it's Rick Ross talking about, you know, how he had to move like, you know, fucking cocaine and like his life and stuff like that. Which is not true. He was a pro officer. Yeah, not that's true just all. how rap music goes. It was, it was a persona, but it was really great. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then Wale comes in and if you listen to this song, like the production's pretty good. It's not going to like really get you hyped. That's, not that kind of song. It's going to be that kind of song you want to go to, like, a dark room, listen to it, and then turn on all the lights and, like, turn your whole fucking life around. Because while I, like, his verse kind of kicks in the door of, like, I went through some of that stuff, too, but, like, now let's leave that shit behind. Like, let's do it right. Let's, like, you know, be the right kind of people and, like, fucking, you know, like, get this money, but at, like, same time, we're not going to fucking shoot each other and shit. Like, while he comes in, like, okay... You just heard Meek's story and, like, Rick's story, which Rick's is fake. But you just heard these two, like, hardcore stories of, like, being on the street and selling drugs. I could tell you another one, but what I'm going to tell you instead is, like, having ambition and to get past that and then going, all right, now it's time to go. It's kind of, like, ready to start. Like, it's ready to start. And that was, for me, what I, why I kind of thought Wally was going to be bigger. I saw him in concert once with... J. Cole, someone who I actually left off the list, and I left off him off the list for reasons that um, I don't think you would even expect. Um, I left him off the list because I think I don't get J. Cole enough. I'm not smart enough to get J. Cole. Oh my god. No, I, I don't think it's that. I think actually, though, that he... Um, I really... And it's funny, the next artist I say is going to make me sound really hypocritical, but I really think J. Cole actually is singing a lot more to the black community than I appreciated when I first started listening to him. And I feel weird listening to him, which is a great transition to, I want to talk about Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, can I do my like 
kind of embarrassing pop rap guy. Yeah, and I, I still did want to talk about Wale a little bit more, but my uh, my quick and dirty of Wale is I saw him in concert with J. Cole once, and he kind of phoned it in and like was alley-ooping towels. But then he also did the album, uh, like, uh, album about nothing, where he was kind of like doing like with Jerry Seinfeld. That was before like, Ambition came out, right? No, there was actually like a he did another one that was similar to that where he got back to like that roots and he actually had Jerry Seinfeld come on and he did some songs that were like similar to his mixtape that got him like big. That yeah. was he did another one like that. I I'm getting probably the names mixed up to the first one, but he did like basically a sequel to that and he had like Jerry Seinfeld like actually like talking with him in the studio and then he was like doing these like pretty good songs he was like sampling parts of seinfeld because he had the permission it was like it was actually like kind of like just fun to see him just do a project that you could tell he was just having fun with and like you could just enjoy it for what it was you wouldn't probably go back to any of the songs of like this is my favorite song ever and there was other hits that he had amongst his songs like uh that one with the fucking sample of just a bed like creaking uh oh, bad yeah yeah because is it bad that the whole the whole sample is we can plug that in and play that but we're not even going to it's just me gonna go is it bad that i never made love i never made <laughs> that might be on that album but i i do remember uh, that so one i thought you were talking about slight work slight work's a good song where too. the oh, it, it's it, not it, a bad it's a police siren it's like yeah whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah, it's like slight work, right work, right drink, throat work. There's some good songs on that ambition album. Yeah, but that that, no, that was a very good album, and then he had some kind of like poppy hits, and then he kind of was like fading out a little bit, and people were forgetting about him, and he kind of went back to his roots, and I don't know, he just kind of lost his impact for me. But um, yeah, I want to hear your like embarrassing poppy rapper. So mine is uh, the. Summer, the first semester of my junior year of college, I did at uh, the local Penn State campus because my grades were really bad. And for a lot of the time I was in college, it was like, are my parents even going to let me go back because I just keep fucking around and fucking up? Wow, this episode is a lot more you <laughs> beating up on you than usual. I've been well, reversing. I'm taking a lot of. I mean, I fucked around in college and it screwed up my life. Um, but, but at the time the the summer going into that semester and that semester when I was at home away from my college friends and everything, I got really into Hoodie Allen. Yeah. And I did too as well for a period, but I know it's a little bit more to you. And, and when I got back to school, my, my friends had also gotten into Hoodie Allen. Uh, they had some different like favorite songs from me. Um, but he had a... You might call it an EP. It was like six or seven songs, not a full album's worth of songs called All American. And I bought it. I actually bought it on iTunes and I signed up because he said anyone who like sends a receipt for it, I'll call. And he called me like seven years later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I like I just really thought that he was an amazing hook writer and he had a little bit of like gym motivation stuff for me where it was just like oh like girls used to not like me uh i work like worked hard stuff like that blah 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 like pretty boilerplate stuff but i i, I really do think that he's a good hook writer yeah i think he was he did feel a little bit more genuine than some of the other people like they yeah. were writing similar styles than yeah he wasn't like a 
frat rap guy as much. Yeah, he much wasn't as Asher he was like Roth, a... and he was coming up at the same time as like Logic and G Easy, but he didn't get cheesy like they did either. No, I, I just think that he's better than those guys. Yeah, and... he just didn't blow up. Yeah, which I. The song No Interruption, which I'm... Exactly the song gonna I was going to say. On. I was so hoping you were going to pick that song because that is actually one so, of my favorite songs too. So um, definitely put that no on. No Interruption and No Faith in Brooklyn. Uh, both, which is another song I really do like. Both from All American. Um, like, me and my closest friends, those songs and Hoodie Allen in general was like a soundtrack for an entire semester. And, I mean, that... That is partially why I wanted. I've been pushing to get him on the podcast. He's a smart guy. He went to Penn. Um, I think he quit a job at Google to pursue rap, uh, which was a, a fairly brave thing to do. I think he's an amazing hook writer. I think he could make his bones writing pop songs uh, for radio stars. And him and Wale and a lot of other rappers from this era, I think that okay. trap becoming the not only the dominant but basically the only form of popular rap music really screw them over mid-career kind of yeah because he hoodie allen's not going to be able to make a a transition to trap it's just going to become post malone instead yeah and I, i do feel like there was like a very short like rise of like we want clever lyricists, and then it transitioned quickly. And yeah. guys like G Easy were like, "Okay, I have to go straight into pop." Like, if you listen to a lot of early G Easy, he's not great, but like you can tell he was very much trying to be like a clever lyricist. And then he was like, "I'm not very good at this," and then the industry's not going that way. So he like, yeah, like it was a lot of the like Lil Wayne, Drake, like pun thing kind yeah, of yeah it was where, a lot of, like referential to a lot of very pop culture stuff especially no interruption by hoodie allen but what really hit me about no interruption is just like it literally is a song of no interruption of like him giving you like hook after like the whole song is a hook that's what's so crazy about yeah it. and that's what i like about him i think he's i think he's just a really good like pop hook writer and i just like kind of feel bad that i, I think he's the best of those guys and he never blew up and the the way that musical taste changed when kind of Future Thug and uh, like Travis Scott and those guys blew up is just no one listens to that stuff anymore. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, it's it's one of those things for sure that like I do like the idea of having some artists that I can kind of go back to that aren't the biggest but at the end of the day i want my favorite people to succeed i want to see them as big as like anybody and Uh, for me for wale it was like he did start to get big and then it like kind of moved away from some stuff and then he started putting out good stuff again i was like man this is this is what i want you like to get like noticed for and it's you're not gonna get it the other thing about hoodie allen was that and i think that this was a combination of being genuine genuinely a nice guy and marketing he was very, very active on social media, responding to his fans, like, yeah. whenever he could, like, all the time. And after me and Isabel started dating, I was up, like, late talking to him in DMs for, like, two hours. And he was like, I, I saw him in concert three times with my friends from college, and I was just like, I feel like 
you make music and it's like appeals to younger people um and like i go and i feel like i am the old guy there and he's just like just listen to my album like let me know like i totally understand where you're coming from like soliciting feedback and it was just just a really nice guy and ahead of his time on social media and a great a really talented hook writer and it's a shame that he's kind of never quite made it yeah like huge yeah we should have it on the podcast i agree and i'll get back into that um we're gonna take a very strong transition though because i think this is where our worlds collide a little bit and it's where everybody's world collides uh because i think if i'm not mistaken um the album that i'm going to say next was beaten by arcade fire suburbs for album of the year i'm pretty sure the snub was mad kid or uh good kid, good mad, kid city. mad city and we have to talk about kenny gamar i already said it but the thing for us is actually we're gonna cheat a little bit too but it is still in the decade to go back to not kendrick lamar a little bit more into his I think he was going by Kendrick Lamar days, but I want to say K-Dot a little bit because I want to talk about um, really the album that came before Good Kid, Mad City, Section 80. So Section 80 is probably funny because if you've ever heard Section 80, you either know the album or somebody's trying to test you on your Kendrick Lamar <laughs> knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> um, they'll say, what's your favorite Section 80 song or some shit like that. Um, but Section 80 is the album before Kendrick Lamar became Kendrick Lamar. And I really don't have to go through everything about Kendrick Lamar for the decade. Like, the man's amazing. So I just want to talk about just this one album, just because he hit all of us. But the song High Power is one that we both really like, so definitely put that on the playlist if you can. Um, Produced by J. Cole. Wow, yeah. Which is another thing that I wanted to point out. J. Cole's actually a pretty good producer. I know people think he's cheesy, but he's always produced some pretty good beats, in my opinion. Um, and that's probably why I've gotten a little bit more away from his music is that I'm a very lyric heavy person. So if I don't really connect to the lyrics as much, I listen less. But Kendrick's High Power was a song that was kind of like his, you know, kind of hook song. And you understand on Section 80, it was a very like socially conscious album. Kendrick was still Kendrick. He was singing about, you know, Keisha's song is like one of like the most brutal like paintings of, you know, fucking life that he would see that none of us would see. Like, there are a lot of songs in there that are, like, deep songs. And we're not going to give Kendrick a full pass. He's still a guy on um, a song said, Girl, I know you want this. Girl, I'm Kendrick Lama. He's Kendrick Lama. So um, <laughs> we're not going to give him a full pass. Like, he's, like, never fucking, you know, done anything wrong. That song's there. fun, though. No, I mean, he didn't do anything wrong. I'm just saying, like, not that he's never objectified women or something like that. But you have to understand, though, that, you know, Kendrick Lamar's socially conscious shit, like, it's never been a fake. Like, it's always been who he was. So when he put it out, like, Good Kid, Mad City, everybody found him, and, you know, the big song everybody liked was Swimming Swimming Pools Drank. But that song is really about the dangers of swimming, you know, drinking, and then everybody was like, this is a great party song. Um, Which was fucking weird. Uh, Oh, I, well, I I think it was that and Backseat Freestyle were, like... They didn't sound, if you heard them as singles, like you would expect a Kendrick song to sound if you knew him before then. But they both fit in to the flow of the album where it's like kind of backseat freestyles about peer pressure, like being a kid in, uh, in like Compton and 
like getting caught up in that kind of thing and uh swimming pools is kind of a similar thing what was your first exposure to kendrick um i think i actually heard on the radio or somebody played for me swimming pools like it was and i went immediately this is genius like okay i knew it was something different and something better like it was just immediately i knew he was on something so mine was um i'm a I used to be a, a big fan of game. Uh, going back to like my freshman year of high school, uh, like a bunch of his mixtapes, yeah, stuff like that. I was like on his side in the beef with Fifty. Uh, I love Doctor's Advocate and uh, LAX Files. Uh, I was a, in my uh, senior house. I spent a night arguing that LAX Files was better than Carter Three <laughs> against everyone except one other guy uh, who I ended up being uh, kind of good friends with in college. Um, but on Red Album, the first song, I forget what it's called, Kendrick is on it, and it's the last verse, the beat, the beat drops off, and it's just Kendrick acapella. And yeah. I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. And then I I didn't listen to Section 80, but I listened to High Power a bunch of times. And he was, I would say he was maybe a little more overtly political then. Yeah. Uh, visions of Martin Luther staring at me. If I did it, how he did it, that would make my parents happy. Yeah. Like, which implies like a, a certain Malcolm X, um, style violence, um, to his approach to things, but good kid, man city. Goddamn. That is my favorite Kendrick album still. Yeah. It, it's um, my favorite Kendrick album, but, Section 80, High Power, like, it's one of my favorite songs ever, and it, it really feels like Kendrick is literally hitting with hitting you with everything that he's gonna come with for the decade. It feels like kind of a foreshadowing of it's Kendrick like, saying, like, Kendrick It's like uncut you, Kendrick, kind yeah, of. Yeah, he, like, literally at one point says, because 2012 might not be a fucking legend trying to be a fucking legend, the man of mankind. Like, that's yeah. a part of the lines. But my absolute favorite line in the song is um, doing a moonwalk, hoping I blow up in time. Like, yeah. land full of minefields is what he says, or like something like that. Um, yeah. Field full of landmines, hoping I, doing the moonwalk, hoping I fit, like blow up in time. Like, that resonates with me because I'm a very volatile person, too. Like, I'm always like stepping on fucking like minds I could easily avoid, but I'm doing fucking moonwalks yeah. into drama. And you also um, have like visions of grandeur for yourself yeah so i'm always like i'm gonna blow up or i'm literally gonna blow up like that's literally like my options are i'm yeah. gonna blow up or i'm gonna blow up like th that's what i say all the time like to myself <laughs> so i'm always like that song hit me because kendrick was like i'm gonna fucking do it or i'm gonna fucking die like he's yeah. like this is only the option like it it's one of those songs that really inspired me and the fact that I'm just doing a podcast with you and not uh, being a fucking legend is just kind of upsetting to me. No offense to you. Guys. Hopefully it's one and the same someday. Yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, the the song uh, Sing About It, Die in a Thirst from Good Kid, Mad City. I think it's like 15 minutes long. And there's like verses from the perspective of a sex worker and all this shit. Like, yeah, I was I remember being like in awe of his ambition. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah, so some of the other people that I do want to talk about, though, that kind of hit me, especially in the college range, that kind of were a little bit more of me, like, getting into Surratt music, um, I wanted to talk about just specifically some of these artists that you will definitely um, either right away tell me suck or are very good. Um, so Tyler the Crater. 
Good. Um, so he meant a lot to me. Uh, Earl Sweatshirt and Vince Staples, I actually grouped as three people together. Fair enough. Okay. and the re- But the reason why, and I'll, I'll give you why, is because Odd Future obviously is a big collective. So I found a lot of them through Odd Future. But I always liked Tyler and Earl the most. And I always told people, Tyler is the best producer, Earl is the best rapper. I was ready to ride all of those two guys' careers. I kind of had an idea that those were the two that were going to blow up. Tyler absolutely blew up. The problem for Earl is he got really, really dark. And things got really bad for him. So when he put out, um, I don't like shit, I don't go outside, I didn't like a single song in that, but one. And the one I liked on it was featuring Ben Staples, so that's how I found him. So both songs I'm going to list right now are going to be songs that are Tyler featuring Earl and then Earl featuring Vince because they were the three chains that kind of led me to them. And they all had songs that had meant a lot to me over this entire decade in different ways. Like Earl came back and was actually like in a lot more positive mood. Saw McCamp Flognaw was great. Tyler, I've been a little on and off with, but I've always loved his work and respected him. And Vince Staples is just absolutely one of my favorite people on the planet, let alone one of my favorite artists. Right. So my um, Vince Staples uh, feature from the I Don't Like Shit, I Don't Go Outside was uh, Wool. And Vince Staples actually starts the song and he fucking kills it. Like right off the bat, again, just like a I'm here to fuck shit up kind of verse. Like he says, like, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna quote him right off the bat so I don't fuck it up because he's so fucking cool on this song. Vince is amazing at starting a song. Yeah, like, it, it just, it, it, it fucking, like, blew me away. Like, I, like, listen, this is the last song on an album I hated. And as soon as I heard this, I fucking shot up and was like, fuck yes. Like, that's how good this was. He said, as soon as I catch the vibe, tell him to fetch the hearse. Shorty, I'm pressing line, lifting the Lauren shirt. Like, that's literally, like, right away, he was just, like, he just came out and was just, like, perfect, like, delivery, perfect lines. Like, just, like, I was just, like, this sad-ass album just got me to sit out of my fucking chair <laughs> and go, like, wait, what is this and who is this? And that was Vince Staples. Rewind it back to Tyler Creator, Odd Future, and Earl. The song that uh, really got me from them that always kind of is a very similar, like, pump up. There are a lot of Tyler songs that mean a lot to me on an emotional level, but Tyler and Earl together at their best and one of the best hooks ever and just one of my favorite songs ever is uh, Rusty off of uh, uh, Camp. Wolf. Wolf. I always get them confused because I always say Camp and Wolf as the same thing because I love Camp by some asshole that we'll talk about later. (laughs) But uh, I'm not... I, I like Vince Stables a lot, but I'm not going to talk about him for myself. But uh, his song Senorita from Summertime 06 with Future, the first line in the song is, I I don't want to like rap it, but it's, fuck you dead homie, run run your bread homie, got some <laughs> lead for me, I'm an artesia. Just <laughs> yeah. like, fuck you dead homie. It's an amazing I mean, way I mean, to start a fucking song. <laughs> my second Vince Staples was obviously when everybody finally heard, you know, like... North North. North North. <laughs> and it was literally the first line. Who's get abortions? <laughs> yeah, who's get abortions? <laughs> Bitch, you thirsty, please grab a Sprite. And then he started, like, just, like, becoming corporate pawn for Sprite. People are mad at him. He's like... Literally, I told you I like Sprite. Like, what the fuck do yeah. you expect? Like, why wouldn't I take free shit from Sprite? Sprite's my favorite. Like, he w- that was so great. Um, and then, of course, the golden boy, 
of Odd Future will be talked about a little bit more later. So we'll skip along to another artist. Um, we want to talk about Kid Cudi, somebody who means a lot to both of us. Yes. So Kid Cudi tragically died after recording two albums. <laughs> uh, this is a joke that Bobby likes to do, but um, I've actually seen Kid Cudi live twice now. And if you ever have a chance to see Kid Cudi live, go. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, just fucking go. I'm not... I don't care where the venue is. I don't care what the situation is. Go fucking see him. Because I saw him after Indicut, which was an all right album. That was a third album, right? Yeah. And I think he was, it might have just been the release or he was about to release Satellite Flight, which was really bad and things were getting bad. But the whole stage was like him as an astronaut and stuff like that. But he played all the hits. He was just belting out songs. He doesn't sing the lyrics. He sings the notes. And then he played literally all three, like, popular versions of Pursuit of Happiness. He played his own version of Pursuit of Happiness and then played two remixes of Pursuit of Happiness to end the show. And it was, everybody was freaking the fuck out. Like, he's the perfect showman. And uh, I know it means a lot to you as well, his, like, music. But just him, you know, as someone who's kind of, like, really like pumps up the crowd that's pretty cool i heard he's a little bit more irritable in person is really not good with fans like in person but well he has like severe anxiety yeah and, and that's why so. i'm always like okay that's yeah i can kind of see that but he was even an actor that kind of like caught me a little bit because i really like this show on hbo nobody uh knows see if you can add this spotify playlist um how to make it in america if you have yeah. hbo very good show kid Cudi is featured in that um and he doesn't have his penis exposed i don't think but he has sex with somebody Oh, uh, yeah, he has sex with Lake Bell. Yeah, and you see her breasts, which I'm not going to make a comment on, but you should watch How to Make It in America. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, but so, no, Kid Cudi's meant a lot to both of us, so I wanted you to be able to talk about Kid Cudi a little yeah. bit. Yeah, well, I started listening to him uh, my senior year of high school, so 2008, 2009. Um, Day and Night, obviously, was the the big song that put him on the map, Um and A Kid Named Cuddy was the mixtape that that was from. And that was an amazing mixtape. Um, I believe that Day and Night went directly into... Um, Take fuck. your time, Bobby. Take your time. Um, <laughs> God, I feel like... I can't believe I don't remember. Well, I'm it's not, not going to help you because I want you to see you suffer. Well, first of all, it sucks ass that... Uh, this mixtape has never been on Spotify. Yeah, it does suck. And I can't believe that there's no like 10 year anniversary thing. Yeah. The way that there was with So Far Gone by Drake. Yeah, I was a little surprised too. And I got to say Day Night was the first song that I got of Kid Cudi's. He's not, that's not the song I'm going to pick as the deep cut because um, I have one that's a little bit more defining to what I really yeah. feel from Kid Cudi. But like, so it was Man on the Moon, Into the Prayer, Into Embrace the Martian. Yeah, which are amazing songs. And then Cleveland is the reason was kind of different, but it was like super spacey, like really good song to be high to. Um, and when his album came out, um, Man on the Moon, The End of Day came out the same day as Blueprint 3 by Jay-Z. Yeah. And I was just like, this is a fucking changing of the guard. Like, yeah. Kid Cudi's going to take this shit over. That was also 2009, but obviously like fall 2009. So it move forward into 2010 and beyond and i don't know it that was like when i was smoking weed and he was talking about anxiety and night terrors and things like that in a way that 
ended up becoming popular a long time later, but not, I don't think that he was the influence for it, honestly. Yeah. I think that, uh, future and like maybe like emo music and like black teenagers being exposed to that um led to Lil Uzi Vert and stuff like that more directly than Kid Cudi did but he was the first popular rapper to really make that a huge part of his persona and yeah I think that is notable in rap history and I I definitely want to say I think Kid Cudi inspired people I just think you'd be surprised the people he probably inspired like you probably have more of the experimental people that actually say they were inspired by Kid Cudi because you do have to remember that even though that music doesn't feel so far ahead at its time, like it still was a little ahead of its time with how spacey he was getting. Like people yeah. really weren't playing with that as much. And well, I think the it's the the sing rapping, which I think Lil Wayne ended up being more influential with that because of his auto tune and stuff like that. But between the sing rapping and talking about mental health and anxiety and stuff like that and drugs. Like, yeah. not just weed, but, like, cocaine and stuff like that. I feel like if you listen to him, you would think that he was more influential than he ended up being because a lot of the subject matter and uh, rapping style that is popular now and has been popular for the past five years or so would seem to owe a debt to him that it doesn't necessarily actually owe. Yeah, but I, I do have to say I, I'm the kind of person who can go back to a lot of Kid Cudi and not realize just on a subconscious level how much i was relating and feeling those strong feelings that i feel now that obviously you would think would draw me into kid cuddy automatically but that wasn't the reason either like day and night very much was a song of like i could listen to it and like like really think about like okay who i am day and night was a very different thing and it really got to me but i would listen to kid cuddy to get pumped up too but the deep cut I'm going to pick... Sorry, I'm imagining that an old person listening to Day and Night who has Alzheimer's disease, oh, who, who does who sundowns, is yeah. being like, God damn, Day I relate night. to this <laughs> shit. <laughs> What's going to happen? Um, Sun goes down. Yeah. Don't know my granddaughter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I do know that there's like a lot of songs that I always like really like. The one song I almost picked was uh, No One Believes Me, which is a single. I almost picked... Um, make her say just because it's like a fun song but the song i actually went with and i want to say um it was hard for me not to pick a song from kids see the ghost but i do not want to even say kanye's on my list and i will talk about that in a second but my deep cut from kid cuddy is um actually going to be um all along from uh his first album or second album i mean um all along is actually a song about him singing all along night knew I was meant to be alone and kind of talk about that's okay, but there's a sadness in it. And I know that's not necessarily who I am, but when I get in those, you know, real feelings, like that's one of those songs where like nobody else is really singing. Like I'm going to be alone. Like yeah. now Julian Baker and stuff, I can really get it really sad if I want, yeah. but he was <laughs> the first kind of person, like as like a rap personality was singing about like, I'm going to be alone. Like it was already singing about, I'm going to get money, I'm going to get bitches, I'm gonna, but he was singing, I'm going to be alone all along, and I knew that, but I keep defying it, and then it just keeps ringing true, so it, it kind of hits me. My but, song from that uh, album, which is a really underrated album now, uh, yeah. is The End. Yeah, that's another great song. 
Um, and but- again, I'm not getting into the lyrics for a lot of these songs because that's not what hit me at the time. But just the beat is like kind of menacing. Yeah. And there's a bunch of... I mean, this is all aesthetic, but the beat is menacing. There's a bunch of different people with different really good rap voices and really good flows on it. And it's just a good song. All right. Well, Bobby, I'm going to drop a surprise on you and the listeners. We're cutting this into a part two. I was literally thinking that we might have to This is episode one. (laughs) Hell yeah, there are two new episodes of Neurotica and possibly more. Who knows? We're crazy. But uh, Bobby, let's do our our little plugs because we have to remember, even though we're going to just keep continuing talking because we're crazy people. Holy shit, we went really long. Yeah, uh, (laughs) we're crazy people and we'll just keep continuing talking. Hopefully this second episode is 30 minutes and not um, another hour. It'll probably be another hour. Yeah. Uh, let's still give plugs that what it deserves. Uh, what would you like to plug this week, Bobby? Honestly, I haven't been doing any writing, so I don't have anything to plug. Great. Awesome. <laughs> I'd like to plug Tobias Harris for the All-Star Game. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks for listening. Oh, are you going to do any Twitch? Don't know. Um, <laughs> I'll figure it out. Probably. Um, no, nah, I've just been sick lately, so I'm debating, do I kick off more in 2020 or do I try to, you know, play around 2019, but I have fun new toys and a fun new layout. It will be fun, but uh, I don't know. So, um, Bobby and I are going to start talking again in like 30 seconds, but thanks for listening to Erotica. <laughs> if you're just listening to the one episode, listening to the episode two back to back, see you in five seconds. <laughs>